Hello, this is Tony Barini, and I'm here uh, doing the podcast series, What Leaders Say. And I have this distinct privilege and honor of interviewing this morning, Nancy Mace. Nancy is the state representative for House District Number 9 in South Carolina, and she is the Congress uh, Republican nominee for House District Number 1, and she's uh, running for election for uh, the Low Country this upcoming year. And I'm, I really wanted to talk to her today about why, who she is and why she should be, uh, why should we all vote for her? And also learn why has she gotten to where she's at because this is quite a distinct honor to even to be where she's at and the way she's won so far is really quite an honor. And obviously there's a reason why she is where she is. So with no further ado, go ahead, Nancy. Please tell us a little about yourself. Thank you, Tony, for having me on this morning. I appreciate you uh, and everything that you do in our community too to promote leaders throughout the Low Country um, and love the podcast and the folks that you have on. And uh, you're doing a great job for our community in that regard. But um, I'm really excited about this upcoming election. Um, I never thought I would say this five years ago, but things have taken a drastic turn um, in, in the wrong direction in our country. And even in the low country, we see some of it here. And so November really is the election of our lifetime. It's going to determine the future of our country, the future of our state and our nation. And it's really important for people like you and those who are listening to the podcast today um, to really think about what direction we want to take because we really are at this this crossroads right now. And, you know, I, I grew up here in the Low Country. I'm from here. I'm from Goose Creek, actually. And uh, 25 years ago, at the age of 17, I dropped out of high school and saw firsthand, you know, how easy it was to fall through the cracks and fall out of the system. And I had no intentions of ever going back to school. And the principal of my high school had a different idea, he had a different plan for me. And he helped me finish out school by taking classes at Trident Technical College in North Charleston on Rivers Avenue. It was a really small campus back in those days. And now it's, it's grown to be a, a great program for our residents here. But um, during that time in my life, one of my first jobs was at the Waffle House on College Park Road. And that's exit 203 when you're hauling down the interstate and it's right off the side of the interstate but during some tough times in my life i learned some very tough lessons and the first of which is uh to work hard and that failure can often lead to success which was the case uh in my life and would soon would be the case multiple times in my life but that was the first big lesson in failure that i've ever had when i dropped out of school and was sitting there and you know, at the Waffle House, I'd stand on a piece of duct tape about 12 inches wide and yell to the cooks in the back how my customers wanted their hash browns, smothered, covered, and chunked. And uh, you can make good money on the weekends there, um, but I met a lot of folks in the community that were hard workers. I'd meet police men and women coming off their shifts. I'd meet uh, folks that were in the manufacturing space uh, coming in off their late night shifts too from the, in the mornings and everything. I just I met so many people in the community and so many of those families who work hard to provide for their families. And so I loved that job. Um, but I also knew that, you know, I needed to do other things. I needed to finish school. And a year later, the Citadel decided to let women in. And uh, that was in 1996. And I applied and was accepted to the Citadel before I ever told my parents, because I'd been told no uh, all my life that I couldn't do this and couldn't do that. And certainly after dropping out of school, my parents weren't going to let me go to the Citadel for sure. 
uh, was my thinking, but eventually they came around and supported me in that endeavor. And for me as an 18 year old who had failed big time, um, you know, I really had kind of a chip on my shoulder and something to prove to myself. And that was that I could go to a place and be challenged and face adversity and faced obstacles that I've never faced before in my life and still succeed and um, and achieve. And that failure, you can take a failure and turn it into success. And that experience was a remarkable experience for me personally. It literally changed the course of my life. Um, I wouldn't be where I am today had I not had that very challenging experience in my life to prove that to myself I could uh, face those challenges and be successful. But a couple of things that I learned during that time, I learned about having courage, um, courage to speak up for yourself, but even more so having courage to speak up for others, giving a voice um, to the voiceless, so to speak. Those are important values, um, whether that's in your personal life, your professional life, um, family, business, you name it, um, not being afraid to speak your mind. And I think right now what you see in our country is a lot of people are afraid to speak their mind because of the consequences. You could lose your job if you're someone on Facebook sees your political opinion that they don't agree with, or, you know, everyone's got the, the right to, to speak their mind. It's, it's titled there and the, it's written there in the First Amendment. But right now we're in a place in this country where you just can't. And I think it's really important that we have people that, regardless of the consequences, are willing to speak up and do what's right. And I think we need that now more than ever. And um, one of the other things I learned while I was at the Citadel was having confidence. And I know now, many years later, that now as a mom and a businesswoman, I've been in business for 21 years. But if we don't believe in ourselves, then no one's going to believe in us and they won't follow our ideas either in business or professional life or in education and you know this being um, a business owner being a leader here in the charleston community in the work that you've done in development over the years and so um you know you've got to have that confidence to be able to um, bring people together and again that's something i think we need now more than ever in this country and we're not getting it from the other side right now and you know, we were promised a lot of things um, when Congressman Cunningham ran for office. And one of the reasons I'm, I'm running now is that a lot of promises were made, but a lot of those promises were not kept. And it really is about putting the low country first. Our needs are different than, than others throughout the state and throughout the country. We're a very unique district. Um, we have a very independent voice oftentimes, and we want someone who's going to speak up, who's going to speak out, and someone who's going to tell the truth and be honest about where they are, what their positions are on the different issues. And we're in a crisis right now. And it's up to our generation to help solve the crisis that we're in. We're in an unprecedented time. People are very sick and some dying from COVID-19. We have an economy here in Charleston that previous to COVID-19, we had an unemployment rate of 1.86%. Tony, if you wanted a job here, you had a job, and if you were working at a fast food franchise in January of this year, you were making $15 an hour minimum, looking to get a raise to 20. Um, and so then COVID-19 happened, the government shut everything down, and it's gonna take us years to recover. And I believe that we need leadership right now. We need someone who's gonna tackle the tough issues, who's going to look at small businesses as the backbone of this country, who's gonna look at middle, hardworking Americans, 
as the backbone of this country. They built this country and they're going to continue. They're going to rebuild it when this is over. And I want to offer solutions that um, that provide the, the policies going forward that will help all of all of us who are out there. And I'm a single working mom and it's, it's the beginning of August right now. And I'm looking down the barrel at education at school starting. Well, school, is it starting? And how is it starting? And I learned this week that we're going to have only virtual school. So our kids are only going to be able to learn online, at least for the first quarter. And I'm a single working mom. And I'm thinking to myself, how are we going to do this? And we have a congressman who doesn't want to give parents and families opportunities to get scholarships and financial aid to go to the school of their choice. He wants to deny low-income families those opportunities. And so many children are going to fall through the cracks this year. It's very scary. And I'm worried about my own children, um, but I worry more so about, about those families that are worse off than, than ours right now. We'll make it work. We'll figure out a way to do it. But, I mean, we had days in the spring where we were working, sitting down. I was sitting down with one of my children for 12 hours a day trying to figure out how we can get it all done. And I can't do that again and work at the same time. And I'm in the same boat with so many parents. But this is a serious time. We're in a crisis, and I want to provide the solutions that will get us out of it over time. Yeah, I just want to inter- I just want to add to what you just said. I mean, uh, I'm just there's a lot of positive things that you said, and I completely agree 100%. But it seems like um, Congress or is kind of out of control about the way they're voting against Trump. All the people that I know in the low country, business owners, uh, we're all struggling with uh, all the improvements that President Trump has made in all mm-hmm. the positive direction. And yeah, we had the coronavirus, and we all understand what took place there. We, we see the trend where things are going the right direction. Mm-hmm. But what sucks is when you have people that represent our district that are not voting to do the right thing. No, no, no. Congressman Cunningham is not voting to put the low country uh, first right now. I and mean, he's putting party over he's putting low country, party, which yeah. is ironic because he ran on low country over party in 2018 and promised to be independent of his party. But he's since day one, since he set foot in D.C., he's been nothing but partisan. He's only put the Democratic Party over the low country values of the folks who live here. And, you know, we have mostly Republicans. We've got a a good number of Democrats, too. And a significant portion of our population are also independents who don't identify with either party. And so we've got to have someone who's willing to speak up and speak against their own party. And I have a history of doing that. People that know me will see the headlines that I've made speaking up against Republicans over and over and over again. You know, when my party has wanted to spend too much, I've said not one penny more. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be an accomplice to breaking the bank or putting our economy in an in an abyss that we can never come back from. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be party to that. And um there are a lot of issues. Um you know, Democrats, I've even done what Democrats only talk about doing. You know, after George Floyd, you know, we're, everyone wants to talk about criminal justice reform and prison reform. Well, guess what? Joe Biden was a huge problem in 1993, three strikes and you're out. That was all him. He created that problem. He put and incarcerated more black and African-Americans in this country because of that law. And then we have a president who signed the first step back into law in December of 2018 doing prison reform a bipartisan legislation that he signed into law. And I've done the same thing at the state level. I had a prison reform bill that was signed into law by Governor McMaster. I don't want to just 
talk about these things. I actually want to do them. And as Republicans, um, when you look at our policy, we do a terrible job of messaging what our policy is. But when you look at it, what we actually do is more compassionate for the people, regardless of the color of your skin or your gender or your political affiliation. Our ideology is much more compassionate for everybody. Um, we want everyone to have the opportunity to grow up, be educated, live, work, thrive, and retire in the greatest place in the world, which is right here. But our current congressman votes with Nancy Pelosi almost 90% of the time. And that's just wrong. That is not representative of who we are. He voted to impeach an president without, without evidence of anything that he has done. He just did a strictly party lines, and he's always done it that way. And he does it in a way where he says, oh, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And I just don't think it's, it's an honest way to deal with people. Even though, Tony, you and I might disagree on an issue, but you're going to know where I stand on an issue because I'm always going to be honest. I mean, just the other day, he stole a headline from Politico and rewrote it to fit his narrative on the Great American Outdoors Act and said that Congress passed his bill. Congress didn't touch his bill. Uh, the fact is, it was Senator Cory Gardner's bill that the president signed into law. And the companion bill, the duplicate companion bill on the House side, was representative of the late civil rights leader, John Lewis. And so, um, you know, Cunningham was... was it was those weren't his bills, and so you know I think that the dishonesty in politics today is one of the reasons that I'm do I do this. I get fed up with with um, the BS and some of what I see out there. Even though we're going to disagree on some issues, you're always going to know where I stand. I will always be honest and be truthful, even when I'm wrong. I'm going to take responsibility for it, and so I think that that's that's needed now more than ever today. Well, I mean, let me just let me just say this as a business owner in the Charleston area, uh, and just a good feel for our state. I mean, I would concur with what you said a hundred percent. I mean, the bigger issue for me is, I mean, whether you're Democrat or Republican, is what mm -hmm. are the values of the Low Country and the Low Country values of people I'm dealing with, business owners, mm -hmm. is more Republican, if you will, about what's doing what's right, and a lot of business owners are completely yes. A, Cunningham got a lot of support, in this, which is the reason why he won the election, but it was all based upon he was going to do what's best for the low country. Unfortunately, because he's voted with Nancy Pelosi and that side, the, the Democrats, it's actually hurt our, our, the low country. And the, and the fear is, mm -hmm. is if, if uh, Trump was not in the office, what would the impact be with, I can tell specifically, it's, it's like these tariffs, the tariffs that he's imposed on China and also with Russia mm -hmm. has had a huge impact like in the aluminum industry and the mm -hmm. steel industry mm -hmm. in the state of South Carolina where mm -hmm. he's you know we've created a lot of jobs because of the tariffs mm -hmm. and I mean there's so much that goes on out there mm -hmm. that you know with him voting the way he's voted it's not what's best for the low country he's more concerned about so my question to you is why would he vote stay on the Democrat side instead of voting what's best for the low country I have no idea. That's a great question for him when you have him on a podcast in the future, if he'll ever come on. But but uh, I, I would love to ask him that question in a, in a debate. I cannot wait to, to debate him, which will hopefully happen this fall. I know there are some folks that want to put that together, and I'm all in. I will debate him as often as he likes. Um, I will be there and do that. But great questions for him. And even when COVID-19 started, he actually wanted to reward China, I mean, by... Um, removing tariffs on China <laughs> right at the beginning of COVID when 19 when we all knew that this is China's fault that this happened 
um, they didn't tell anybody that COVID-19 had, had, had gotten out and was infecting their communities and then was infecting the rest of the world. They, they were late to tell people and to tell the WHO and other countries and lied about it even. And so he wanted to go and reward China rather than punish them. We gotta keep countries and hold them accountable, but we also have to hold our congressman accountable for the way that he has voted because he has not voted, um, you know, whether it's spending in Congress or not putting our needs first. I mean, small businesses are the backbone of our economy right now. And during COVID-19, I didn't hear one word about how we're gonna help small businesses above and beyond the stimulus package. There are things that Congress can do um, to help relieve small businesses. So for instance, after um, Hurricane Hugo in 1989, September of 1989, the Internal Revenue uh, Service, the IRS, did what's called a revenue procedure. And from by Congress's direction, they could have this year, they still have some time, but they could allow small businesses to write off their COVID-19 losses this year and not have to wait until next year when perhaps their businesses are no longer open and they've been permanently shut down because they couldn't afford to stay open. And so you know, there's no talk of any of that. And if folks go out to my website at nancymace.org, you will see all of the economic policy that I believe we need to be doing right now during this pandemic to help our small businesses, to help our economy reopen and allow every American to move forward. Um, we don't get that from our current representation. And I'm gonna fight day in and day out to see that we can do everything to help every working family and every small business in the low country because that is our economy right now. And it's gonna take us years to get back to where we were, but it can be done if we have someone who understands the underlying conditions in the market, the underlying causes of COVID-19 and, and what's happening and what we can actually do, you know, small parts can make a big difference. Just let those small businesses write off their losses right now. We have until October 15th. There's still time to be able to do that for those who filed an extension. Let's at least do that. But he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't have uh, his leadership's ear. That's not happening. I mean, if, if that were the case, and Nancy Pelosi would be doing that right now, and she's not. Uh, the stimulus package initially, it allows for businesses to write off those losses, but not until next year. And next year is just too late. It's going to hurt our economy. What gov the government is doing right now, what federal bureaucrats and, and, and left Democrat folks in Congress are doing right now are going to hurt our economy in the long term. Far worse than COVID-19. I agree. Um, well, one of the things that, uh, the other thing too, that's kind of hurting our economy a little bit, and I just want to get your take on this, is mm -hmm. how do you feel about the uh, extra unemployment benefits that's currently been, been out? I, I don't know if it was extended, but I think it ended. It's on pause right now. Is it on pause? It's on pause right now. They are at a stalemate. Um, so the 1st of August, the extra $600 a week from the federal government is, is no more until they come to a consensus or an agreement. So Senator Mitch McConnell put forth a proposal to the House and of course, Pelosi disagrees with the proposal. I mean, she wants people on unemployment perpetually. Um, but the problem, you know, I would have, I supported, would have supported the first stimulus package because the federal government, state government, shut everything down. You cannot expect people when they physically close your business to be able to continue on without some assistance. So I was all for it. The problem with the package going forward, as is from the springtime is that it incentivizes unemployment because many people were getting paid more money on unemployment than they were when they were working. So there's, why would you go back to work if you can make more money for free 
on the government and not work. And so we have businesses now that are trying to reopen, that are trying to get a revenue stream growing, and they cannot do that without employees. And so if we're going to have another stimulus package, which I'm not necessarily opposed to, but it needs to be done in a way that disincentivizes unemployment. Those who are healthy and can work should be able to go back to work safely. Um, And so we've got to do that, whether that's, you know, one way to do that is to allow the states to have that, make that decision for themselves. Maybe they can add an extra $100 a week or $200, or maybe they can do partial unemployment, part-time unemployment for part-time work. I think there are some ways that we can do that, but take it on a state-by-state basis also. Um, and not allow the federal government to continue to hurt the economy by incentivizing unemployment. And this is across industry. I mean, I talk to folks in the construction industry, in the food and bev industry, in the financial services industry, which are big industries here in the low country market. Um, they're all, uh, they all have issues with bringing their employees back because of the unemployment. And of course, Democrats, including my our Congressman Cunningham wants to continue to incentivize unemployment. And I just, you know, we, we've got we've to do better by our businesses. I just want to say kudos to what you just said. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, that this is what you just said is I cannot say it any better. You said it perfectly. Mm-hmm. The, all of the people that I know that are having problems right now, mm-hmm. especially in the food and bev industry, mm-hmm. Their biggest headache is they cannot get people to come back to work because they're making more money staying at home than if they come back to work. And that's not what's going to, what drives our economy is people working. Yep. 100%. And and the problem right now is, especially Upper King, Upper King right now, again, those restaurants, why should somebody come to work when he can stay at home and make more money? And again, you're right. What you just said is so, Mm -hmm. again, that's the heartbeat of. This is the heartbeat of America. It's the heartbeat of America. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. But speaking of King Street, by the way, while we're on the subject, the the, the day after the riots, uh, I was downtown, as were a lot of folks downtown helping to clean up and hang boards on businesses and everything. And I, I hung boards at Hall's. I saw house. that. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw and that. Yeah. the lighting and some other great businesses on, on Upper King Street. But um, And I'm sure Congressman Cunningham did some of the same, too. But later in the day, he stood shoulder to shoulder with the mayor of Charleston right after those riots. And that's not what I call leadership. That's a colossal failure of leadership what happened. That is not Charleston. That's not the low country. That's not how we treat people here. And um, and so we need leadership right now. And that's what I offer. Well, I can tell you right now, um, you know, there's a big movement right now, unfortunately, uh, Mayor Tecklenburg, uh, lots of people that I knew that were supporting him to be elected uh, they've gone 180 degrees because they don't feel that the leadership is there. Uh, they're reluctant to reopen their businesses on Upper King because they don't feel like they have the support of our mayor. They don't. And and yeah. it really sucks. All mm-hmm. I can tell you is, is come next election, it's going to be, a, I personally think it's going to be a complete different turnout. I hope so. I mean, he just got reelected and what happened that night was unacceptable. It's totally unacceptable. Everybody, everybody, and I, everybody I know, everybody that was for him, they gave money to him. Mm-hmm. Everybody I've talked to have all are completely 180 degrees the other way. Yeah. Because of his lack of leadership. He changed the face. I mean, of where Charleston. where is he? Where yeah. where in in this pandemic and everything else? Where is he? It's like he's hiding behind his piano. Yeah, and Mayor Riley, Mayor Riley, he would never allowed that to have happened. No. But 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 our current mayor literally changed the face of Charleston. 
the face of King Street. I mean, we are a town that comes together during hard times. We don't like division. We like to come together and help each other and be there for each other through our pain. We've done it over and over and over again, whether that's Walter Scott or the Emmanuel Nine, we've always come together and been unified and been Charleston strong. And, and that was a, a massive weakness on his part and a failure of leadership. And our congressman stood right beside him as it happened. And I'm not gonna allow that on my watch. It's unacceptable and it's not, it's not the low country, it's not Charleston, it's not the place that we grew up. It's not, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, unfortunate and I don't know what's gonna be the solution. Uh, unfortunately, I think it's going to, I mean, this whole thing, the riots that we had experience downtown have set King Street back. I know a lot of people that were looking at doing some investments down there that have said, I'm going to hit the pause button until I have some assurances that they're, the city is going to do right by mm-hmm. supporting their businesses. And unfortunately, right now, they cannot get, they're not getting any reassurances from Cunningham or the mayor. So they're just like, okay, that's fine. We're going to hit the pause button. And Upper King was just killing it. It was killing it. I mean, it was in a place I'd never seen it before in the time that I've been here. I mean, I just, you know, it was bustling and hustling with businesses and tourists and and people that were spending money here and growing our economy. That's why our unemployment was so great because of our tourism, because Charleston is such a historic, beautiful place. People love our food. They love our people. They love our oak trees and our beautiful, clean beaches. Um, that's why they come here to spend their money. It's a great place. And then when they visit, they never want to leave. They end up, you know, buying a house here and, and moving here permanently. And that's why we've had all the growth we've had. But these are things that we've got to we've got to protect and restore and um, make sure that we distinguish ourselves from other places in the country. We are a special place. We are, but we need people like you that mm-hmm. represent the core values of the Low Country. Yeah. And put the Low Country first instead of party. Yeah. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. It's about mm-hmm. what, what truly makes a difference yeah. uh, for, for our state and for the low country, because like yourself, I mean, I love this area. It's a great mm-hmm. place, but I hate to see people vote on the other side without realizing the impact it has with the average worker that's out there, you know, trying it's to make a living. It it's devastating. devastating. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now, uh, if he votes for these tariffs to be removed or to help China, the low country, the low country will be impacted because mm-hmm. unfortunately with China, because they have an unfair advantage in that, the, the, you know, the power and they're supported by the government and all that, it, uh, we have an unfair advantage here in, this, in, in the United States when you have a country that's supporting, whether in particular, the aluminum and steel industry mm-hmm. would be impacted if the tariffs were, were removed. Yeah. So. Yep. Well, I think you're doing you're doing a great job. Is there anything else? We're we're at 26 minutes, 27 minutes. We try to keep this to 30. Is there anything yeah. else that you'd like to make sure? I mean, this is great. I mean, I yeah. I've really enjoyed <laughs> listening to you, and yeah, I yeah, no, it's a pleasure always to, to to see you and speak to you and see the work that you're doing in the community. I just I'm asking people for help. Um, this is an important election. It's important to pay attention. It's important to do the research on the candidates so you know what you're actually getting. And um, if there are folks that are listening that um, didn't vote for me in the primary, or maybe they didn't vote in the Republican primary at all, or maybe they even voted for Congressman Cunningham in, in 2018, that's fine. Um, but what I'm asking for is a chance, a chance for me, Nancy Mace, to prove myself to you, prove to you that I will be a good listener, 
that I will be an independent thinker and that I will be a compassionate leader. It's important that we have leadership right now who understands the plight of our citizens and our residents and where we need to go, where we're headed, and what kind of policies can help shape our community in the future. And no one's gonna work harder than I will for the low country. I grew up here, I'm from here, I'm raising my two children here, and I work here, and I've been in the community for a very long time. And I don't care what your political affiliation is. If you have a problem, then I'm gonna be there to help you resolve it. And um, you know, it's everything from, hey, I need a new trash can with the city, can you help me find one? To, you know, last summer I got a call from a constituent of mine who I'd never met before, and it was a, a mom who was frantic on the phone. She was very, very upset. And her adult daughter, who is not a constituent of mine, doesn't live in my house district, but was diagnosed with breast cancer. She had mm -hmm. lateral breast cancer on one side, and it was an aggressive form of cancer. And the mother told me that the insurance company wasn't going to cover her procedure. Her doctors wanted her to have a double mastectomy because she had an 80 or 90% chance of the cancer re returning if she did not. And as a mom, as a mother, uh, obviously I was very upset hearing this story that the insurance company wasn't going to cover the surgery. And so I said, I can't make any promises, but let me make a phone call. And I knew a person, I knew a guy at the insurance company, I made that phone call. And, and three hours later, he called me back and he said the medical team re-reviewed the file and they were going to cover her procedure 100%. That's awesome. And if I can't do that for every person, but I will die trying. No one's going to work harder for the low country than I will. I completely agree. I mean, I, I think you're going I, I, I to do great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Bye.